You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. And open your Bibles over to Joshua chapter 1. We're going to go back and and pick up... uh, (laughs) Not even really where we left off last week. We're going to pick up where we started last week. I had no idea when I got up here it was 10 to 11. Wasn't that great? Those of you who were here last week, it's great. Lauren was great. The whole um, service was great. I didn't realize until after I started it was 10 to. So um, I was in a little bit of a rush last week, and um, I want to slow down and review a little bit, and then we're going to begin to take these verses. You know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll say these verses in Joshua chapter 1, particularly the first eight, first eight verses, but really the first several chapters, really the whole book, but, but the first several chapters, and, and in particular these verses, are uh, I'm sure all of you have certain verses that you go back to over and over and over, and the Lord always feeds you from them. These are some of some of mine. I always get so much out of these. And, um, you know, uh, all of us in life experience times of absolute, uh, there's just a, a seismic shift in our world. I don't know how else to say it. And many times that happens through a big loss or a major disappointment, something we were expecting, working toward, that doesn't come to pass, um, and and all of a sudden things are different, and things are different at those times, um, uh, uh, particularly when there's a big loss. When we and it's just that I, I want to get past. Certainly, we all experience the loss of other people that uh, we loved, we counted on, we did life with, and when we lose those people. Our life does change. You know, I'm, I said to you last week that I know several uh, people in the ministry that have, uh, you know, that there are certain um, there are certain husband and wife uh, couples that are in the ministry, and and sometimes the husband is in the ministry, and and the wife is working in the world, or or home raising the kids, or whatever. She's, and there are others where God really calls us as partners, and that's how Karen and I are, and we've known a number of those couples uh, that ministered together, played together, lived together, did, you know, did all of that uh, for, you know, thirty, forty years. Um, and then they lost that partner, and it's a it's a it's a deep. I've never experienced it. Some of you have, I haven't, but I've walked through it with a number of friends and relatives, and it's it it is a total change of their life. We just happened, you know. I, I was thinking about all this anyway, because this is what I was going to be talking on. We just happened last night uh, to put on um, a teaching. Uh, from Believer Center in Albuquerque that Shirley Howard just did. Uh, she's a wonderful, she's one of the staff pastors there. She's been over Children's Church there for decades. And um, wonderful woman of God, strong woman of God. And her husband uh, of, what did she say, 46 years or something? Yeah, passed away in July of 2020, I think it was. Anyway, she was 
you know, she was talking about all this and talking about what she went through and how she was, first of all, how glad she was to be a part of a church family. People walked through it with her. But she was talking about the change and she said, when you go through a loss like that, you do one of two things. You either camp there and you allow that loss to take the throne essentially in your life and begin to pilot your life, make decisions for you, or you let the Lord work you out of it, past it. And in in this case, in Joshua chapter 1, it, it follows, now stay with me, this is Bible school stuff, it follows the last chapter of Deuteronomy. Okay, then we get to Joshua. So at the end of Deuteronomy, we lose... Moses, Moses dies. He had led these people for all of those years, you know, and I, I just, I think about this sometimes. I, I really can't imagine. I think in the New Testament, because of our relationship with God the way it is, because of the Holy Spirit living in every one of us, as much as we appreciate spiritual leadership, it's not the same as when you were, when you didn't have the Holy Spirit in you and you were dependent on a prophet or a priest or or somebody who who would hear from God and you could you could follow their direction this this nation was dependent on Moses and then Moses was gone and yes Joshua had been there and Joshua was his uh, aide and Joshua spent time uh, I love that about him the picture of him just being so caught up in the presence of God that even when Moses would come out of the tent of meeting, it says Joshua stayed there, stayed in the presence of God. I love all that about Joshua. But still, the the point is that what we're reading is the place then where God gave Israel an appropriate time of grieving. And I'll just say it again this week because we've got people here we didn't have last week. So, you know, grief is something, as much as we don't enjoy it, I believe it's a gift from God. It is God's process for bringing us from one place in life through some huge loss. And again, it doesn't have to be a person. Or, or it, can be, it can be a relationship being broken that you were counting on. It can be a financial disaster. It can be a family disaster. There are lots of things that we grieve and it is appropriate to grieve. It's not appropriate to camp there for the rest of our lives. So the Lord gave this time of grieving. They stayed in place. And now was the time when the Lord came to Israel and he said, now it's time to get up. It's time to move forward. And and then he gives instructions to Joshua and to the nation uh, that help them, and that's what we're going to be looking at the next few weeks, to help them get up and get moving and, and stay on track with God's plan. And, and so, you know, again, when we go through a big loss or a big disappointment or something like that in our lives, we always have that choice. We have to make the choice to, yes, allow the grieving process to go on, but the grieving process is to move us forward. It's, to, it's an, an adaptation time because life is different afterwards. Life is different, but God is not different. God's promises are not different. God's calling, most of the time, is not different. God knew this was coming in your life, and God is faithful 
to love you and to surround you with people that can bring you forward. And we have to allow for time for that. We're really bad about this in Western culture. We, you know, we want people to grieve for two days and then, hey, we're done. We're moving on. Well, that's not realistic. And especially with a big loss like that, that grief process, it should change and transform, but it can take years. I mean, it can take a long time for a person to come to the point where they're really fully seeing God's direction in their life again. And, and all of us need to be a positive part of, of that as, as we uh, help people go through these things. So, so the thing that we need to do is we need to never allow a loss or a disappointment to take that place that only God deserves in your life. Never let it become the deciding factor, become your identity uh, where you would camp there for the for the rest of your life. So here, let's just begin. Let's read these verses again. Um, and we will take a part of this today and look at it. I'm still going to review a little bit from last week. But let's read beginning in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. And I am reading from the Amplified Bible. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' minister, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving to them, the Israelites. Every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given to you as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, Canaan, and to the great Mediterranean Sea on the west shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong, confident, and of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only you be strong and very courageous, that you may do according to all the law Moses' servant commanded you. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. We won't get to those verses for a couple of weeks, but but what he's saying is don't ever let the word of God fail to be in your heart and in your mouth. Never through all the things you go through, let the word of God fail to be in your heart and in your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it for then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall deal wisely and have good success. Let me just bring this up. Surely shared in that, and if you want to see that, it's on YouTube. Just look up Believer Center of Albuquerque and I think she called it the un-something love of God. Anyway, you'll, you'll see it. Um, one of the things she said, and this really caught my attention, this was personal for her. It's not like, you know, we, we just read, don't let the word of God depart out of your mouth. One of the things she had to go through in her grieving process was she would, every day, she would tell her husband, Larry, who had passed away, she would tell him, uh, she would tell him, I still miss you. I miss you. I miss you, Larry. And she'd say that every day. And one day, and I don't think it was right at the beginning, but one day when it was appropriate, the Lord came to her as she was doing something. She said, I miss you, Larry. And the Lord corrected her and said, you need to stop saying that. 
And she said, but I do miss him. He said, I know. I know you miss him, but you are just, you are deepening the missing. And it's, and you're, you're, what you're saying is contrary to my word. And she said, well, what am I supposed to say? I might be messing this up a little bit, but basically he told her, well, say, I will always love you because love is eternal. Missing is not. Love is eternal. Love is a part of my nature. You can say, I will always love you, Larry, every day. And what you will do is you will build love in your heart instead of building missing in your heart. So it's things like that. And again, that was personal for her. That's what he said to her. He may not say that to every one of us, but he's going to say something. That's what I, I love so much about the Lord is he is so personal. If we just let him move us along and disciple us and build things into our lives, challenge us when, you know, he didn't come to her and say, stop saying that. You know, he, he gently corrected her and she was receptive to it. Lord, what should I say? Why? Because she had a love for God and a trust for the Father in her heart. And she talked about how much she struggled with that after this big loss. You know, she struggled with that. She didn't lose her faith. She didn't walk away. She didn't do any of that. But she had this tension in her life of having this terrible thing happen that she didn't expect. And yet, keep walking with God. And that's kind of that's kind of the point is that when we come through a big disappointment or a big loss, we need to figure out how to keep our focus on God. And, and this is what the instruction that Joshua is getting will do this. Keep our focus on God and not abandon his promises. Not abandon his call. Not let the pain override the love of God in our lives. We've got to stay focused on him and stay in that place because the pain's going to be there, but the only way to let the Lord heal that pain is to stay with the Lord. Okay, so we, we've got to know his, his nature. All right, but so here in Joshua chapter one, one of the things we see is that one of the greatest miracles that Israel ever experienced, the parting of the Jordan River, moving into the promised land. It's called the promised land because it had been promised, right? For generations, it had been promised. And now they're actually moving into it. One of the greatest miracles, one of the greatest blessings, one of the greatest fulfillment of what God had said. They're about to experience that right on the tail end of one of the biggest losses that that they ever experienced. And because of the work of Christ, for us, the truth is, on the other side of every big loss, there is the potential for a big fulfillment of promise. There is a potential to go on with God, to go into, it may look different than we thought it was going to look. And I think that's one of the things that hangs us up so much when we experience a big loss or a big disappointment, big discouragement, something like that, is that, well, God, it, this no longer looks like I thought it was going to look. And this is a legitimate question, I think, for the Lord. Okay, I thought all this was going to happen this way. Clearly it's not. That person's gone, for example. So how, how I'm not questioning what you have said because I know what you have said. It's your word. It's eternal. I'm not questioning that. What I'm asking is, where do we go from here? How do we do this? What do you, you know, what, how, how are we moving forward 
you know. And I think that's one of the main things that we need to do during that grieving period and as we begin to move from that is be able to stay with the Lord and trust him, but let him reshape our hopes and our future to uh, to fit things that, that are no longer there. But if we have this in mind that beyond every loss, there's always an opportunity. There's always still an opportunity for fulfillment because God's word doesn't change. Our life might have changed, but God hasn't changed. His promises have not changed. There is no loss we can experience that changes who God is or that changes his word, that changes what he has promised. There's no loss we can experience. It may feel that way to us, but it's not true. And some of those things we've got to hold on to no matter, basically, that's it's, <laughs> we can't let our feelings determine how we view God and how we view his word and how we view, he knows, he has, isn't that amazing? Hebrews tells us he has felt Every emotion that we can feel, he is sensitive to everything that we feel. He felt those things himself on this earth, but without sin. In other words, without moving out of faith, without moving away from the Father, he actually felt what you're feeling. He does know what you're feeling. That's what makes him such an awesome high priest. It's what makes him such an awesome savior. He knows, and you can be totally honest with him. All right, a little bit more here. Um, you know, again, and I mentioned this to you last week, this this phrase always catches me. He, you know, after the death of Moses, okay, so we want to be real careful here. God's statement is, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise. You know, and there's no denial of the natural reality from God. God doesn't come in at this point. Again, remember, there was a grieving period, right? But at this point, there's no, there's no denial of the natural reality. There's no, we won't talk about the big M, you know, we'll, we'll keep that hidden. No, he just comes in and he says, Moses is dead. Life has changed. All right. So now... Arise. And that term arise is what we're talking about in this series. What that means, what it means to us, what it means in the first place, how to get there. All right. But something for us to remember is that faith never has a need to deny the natural reality. All right. Faith never has a need. It never denies the natural reality. What faith does is it sees the spiritual reality, the heavenly reality as greater and bigger than the natural reality. It exalts the spiritual reality. It exalts what God has said and who God is above what we might be facing on earth. It doesn't pretend if I'm sick and I'm looking for healing and I'm praying for healing, it does me no good to just simply start to say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. It does do me a lot of good to start to say, by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. My God is the God who forgives all of my sins and heals all of my diseases. I begin to declare the word of God, not deny what's going on in my body. I deny what might be going on in my body, the right to stay and rule, but I don't deny that it exists. And God didn't deny that they had just been through this big loss. He didn't, he, there, was, there was no denial of the natural reality, all right? 
the devil, when we go through a big loss, big disappointment, the devil loves to take those moments to try to sow seeds into our heart of accusation. Of accusation. He, he is the accuser of the brethren and he is the accuser of God. He wants to tell you God failed you. God didn't care. God took that person. God, all these different, in fact, we have all kinds of little doctrines that don't line up with what the Bible says about the nature of God that we like to bring up and try and make people feel better with them. And, and in reality, we need to stick with what Jesus has said. We need to exalt the word of God and what the Lord has said above all those other voices. People come to us, we experience their loss in our life, and they make up little poems about how God plucked that person up to put them in their garden. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. God reveals himself as the author of life. God reveals himself as the healer, not the one who makes us sick. God reveals himself in goodness. God reveals himself in all these ways. And the issue that we have, and Jesus talked about it a lot, is that every one of us live in a world with lots of voices. How many of you know that to be true? Lots of voices speaking to you. All right, all kinds of voices. You've got religious voices telling you things that may or may not be accurate about God, but that word is accurate about God. You have secular voices telling you how life works and telling you there is no God. And the issue is, what voice are you going to give final authority in your life? Are you? We need to learn to listen to what Jesus is saying and exalt that above every other voice that's out there. We aren't going to be able to just shut off all the voices around us. We would have to leave the earth to do that. But we can filter and guard our hearts and decide, what voice am I going to listen to? And this is essential when you've gone through a big loss. It's absolutely essential. And that's why the Lord said, never let the word of God fail to be in your mouth. And if it's in your mouth, it's going to be in your heart. And if it's in your heart, it's going to be in your mouth. Never fail to, to keep the word of God in your heart. The devil loves to come in on the heels of a loss and question God's character. Well, maybe God really didn't love you. Well, maybe, uh, you know, God did this or God did that. Maybe God's trying to teach you something by taking this person out of your life, by killing this person. Maybe God came in to kill that person. This is awful. I can hardly even say it to you. And people don't say it quite that coldly, but they say it. They say it. And they, well, you know, maybe you got, maybe you got cancer because God's trying to teach you something. God will teach you stuff. If you have cancer, God will teach you things in the midst of it. But he doesn't need the cancer to be able to teach you. He just needs an open heart. Just needs a person who will listen to him and to his word. So we just have to guard against that. When we come through something in the face of a big loss, there are always going to be voices. And you know what? There, there are just times where you just have to be nice to people, and yet not listen to what they're saying to you. You have no, well, this isn't the direction I plan to go today at all. Uh, you have no obligation 
to just sit and listen. This is what our this is what our society is trying to tell us. Oh, all ideas are of the same value. No, they're not. A whole bunch of them are total garbage. God's ideas are of great value, and we need to hold them in our hearts. But if, if when you have well-meaning people, I'm not saying be ugly to them, but you've got to guard your heart. If you have well-meaning people coming and saying things to you that you know are not on with God's character, are not on with his word, you need, sometimes you have to do it gently. Sometimes you have to be a little more firm about it. But you need to guard your heart, whatever you do, to not allow lies to lodge in your heart, not allow accusations against God to lodge in your heart. Instead, you've got to keep the word of God in your mouth. Does that make sense to you? All right, I really want to get uh, into another verse or two here. So, so the Lord... I'm just going to read through these real quick to you again. So the Lord comes in the face right at the moment of this huge change for Israel. And when the way forward is totally blocked by a flooding river, not the convenient time, not after circumstances change. Right now, he says, now arise. And we looked at this last week, but that term arise means this. I'm going to go through this real fast today. Uh, this is what this term arises. It, show, it shows up a bunch of places in the New Testament. This is all often, very often, God's word to us. It's an empowering word to us. He says, arise. He's not saying, um, you know, it, this is not said in a negative or condemning way. Oh, boy. Here's another thing. We've got to remember that if God speaks something to you, it's not as a challenge for you to do it. He didn't stand there and just say, arise and step back and see if the you know poor little guys could do it. When God speaks to us, his grace is there. The, in fact, Luke one thirty seven tells us, every word from God contains the power to bring itself to pass. We need to let what he's saying come into our heart. He's not saying, he's, he didn't say to Shirley, stop saying this and then step back. He gave her his word, something that would empower her and strengthen her. When God says, arise to Israel and arise to Joshua, there, that was an enabling word. There's power in that word. But here's what that word means in the Hebrew. It means to stand up. Okay, it is the physical action of standing up. It is to move from a face down position. How many of you have had something happen in your life that put you on your face? Man, I have. Put you on your face for a while. You didn't know how you were going to get back up. And it is to move from that face down position to a standing position. All right, to go from a, it, it is used also to speak going from a low place in life to a higher place in life toward that abundant life that Jesus has for us. And sometimes that's the most important thing we can do is that first step to get back on our feet and say, Lord, let's go forward. It's, it's just huge, all right? Uh, many times we need a change in our spiritual, mental, and emotional posture before we can step forward and move again toward breakthrough. We've got to get up spiritually we've got to get up emotionally you don't have to you don't have you can expect god to feed you what will get you up does that make sense to you all right this word uh carries the connotation of giving honor or respect the word arise it means give honor or respect all right when we arise we take a heart posture that recognizes 
God's presence and authority, and it honors his word above all else. We arise, we stand up, we say, God, we honor you. I don't understand all this that has happened, but I am going to stand up and I am going to look to you and I am going to honor you. This word means to move, to do something. Again, we can't just camp at that place. We can't let the pain define the rest of our life. We've got to move. We've got to take a step. We've got to take a step toward God. We've got to take a step forward. Do the next right thing. However simple that is, whatever it is, just do the next right thing. Just begin to move. This word arise means to recover, to be revived again in God's presence. It means to regain our sense of identity and purpose our sense of divine destiny and begin to walk in it again. Israel had to, had to rise up right here. Joshua had to rise up right here and regain, wait a minute, God's word and God's promise right across that river that's impossible to cross. Right across that river is where the promise of God is. And that promise didn't die with Moses. That's the point. That promise didn't die with Moses. So we recover we get up, okay? Um, This word has the idea of being validated and remembering that you belong, all right? Again, we, we rise up into our position. We rise up into our authority in Christ. We rise up into our place of acceptance. We rise up and we remember who we are in him. All right, this word arise means to appear, okay? A lot of times, it simply means to appear. It means you got to show up. Refuse to isolate yourself. For many of us, that's the first reaction to pain is let's go isolate ourselves. Let's go somewhere and lick our wounds. If you do that, don't stay there very long. We're called to be a part of a body. We are called. This is not natural for me. You know, I'll just say that. This is not natural for me, but I know that it's the truth. If I have something big that happens in my life, I need to get with the body of Christ. I need to be in the presence of believers. I need to be in the corporate anointing. I need to be where there are believers who speak life and faith, and uh, that's where I need to be, and that's where the healing is, and and all that. Yeah, I have a you know I have a private life. I'm a private person, but I know that when I need strength and encouragement, I can't tell you how many times something's happened. We've been really disappointed, had the opportunity to be really hurt by it, things with, with people or whatever, and church is coming up. And the last thing I want to do is come into church, naturally. That's the last thing I want to do. But I know that when I get to church, I'll be strengthened. When I get to church and get with all of you, and you don't, it's not even that you do something specific. It's just God is here, you're here, and I'll walk out of here a whole different person. And I've just learned to count on it. Over the years, I've just learned to count on it. You just, you get up and, you know, you refuse to just isolate yourself, to hide. You, you go on with what God, you put your hand to the plow. You start to do what God has called you to do. All right, this word means to be established, to build, to strengthen, uh, and to build endurance. All right, this word arise, it comes with with strength and being established in the Lord. And finally, it means to be victorious. It means to be victorious. This verse came up in my heart. You guys all know it. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. 
It says, those who wait upon the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not grow tired or or not faint. That word hope means to look toward and put our hope in. And the root word for that word wait is a word that means to bind together by twisting. So in other words, the way that we arise, the key to arising is to wrap yourself up with God again to wrap yourself up with God, to, to, to be bound together. It's just like it's a three, three-fold cord being braided together. It's that idea. We've got to turn to the Lord in those times and he will lift us up. Does that make sense to you? All right, we've got a few more minutes. Uh, so let's look at a couple more verses here. We're not going to have uh, time for much of this, but back in... in um, those first few verses, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. So now arise, take his place, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. And I know I mentioned this to you last week, but there's this idea within this that when, when we allow God to raise us up, when we arise and get back on our feet, it creates the opportunity for other people to go into breakthrough also. It creates the opportunity. It wasn't just Joshua. It wasn't just Joshua. He said, you arise, all right, you and all this people and go into the land that I am giving them. And then let's look at, uh, let's look at these next couple of verses and we'll quit with this. He says, this is a promise that we all love to quote. Every place upon which the sole of your foot shall twe- tread, tread, Elmer Fudd, Uh, every place on which the sole of your foot shall tread, that I have given to you as I promised Moses. All right. We we love that and it's a great promise when the Lord is leading us into something, when he's leading us into the fulfillment of promise. Every place the sole of my foot shall tread, that God has given to me. And there's a couple things there. The first one is, what we move into, what is in our future. This is where you will walk I've already given it to you. And it's that whole, it's that whole um, principle that in Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. All, everything that he died to give us is in our heavenly account. It's not all in our possession. There's much of it that we need to take hold of by faith. It's where we will walk, but he's already given it. That principle alone will change your prayer life. It will get you from from only praying, God, I need you to do this or that to realizing, wait a minute, God, you've already done it in Christ. I thank you for it in advance. I thank you for my healing. I thank you uh, for leading me into this new job. I thank you Uh, for opening up this area in life, whatever it might be. We're recognizing that God, where we're going to walk, God has already given. It's a huge huge principle that has lots and lots of applications in our lives. But I want you to see this. Verses 3 and 4 go together. All right, we'll just go through this. We'll wrap it up. Every place on which the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given to you as I promised Moses. Awesome. Verse 4 
quantifies that. It puts it in a context. From the wilderness and this Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, Canaan, the great Mediterranean Sea on the west shall be your territory. All right, so every place your foot's going to tread, I've given it to you within these boundaries. I think we, and maybe this is just an American thing, many of us like to just take verse 3, I can do whatever I want and God's blessing will be on it. God said, every place your foot shall tread, but here are the boundaries. Even in the idea that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ, there are boundaries. There are, well, for one thing, in Christ. That means within what he provided, all the blessing is there for you within what he provided. All the blessing is there for you within his nature, within who he is, within his will for your life. Now, there are a lot of things in the scripture that we know are God's will for us because Jesus acted as a substitute. He took our sin. We know it's God's will for us to be forgiven and to, and to move uh, progressively into greater and greater holiness. It's God's will. Jesus took our sins. It's not his will that anybody perish, die and go to hell. It is his will that every person come to know him, every person on the earth come into a relationship with him because he died to provide that for us. He took that. It's not his will that people live in sickness because he took, he carried our sicknesses, our diseases, and by his stripes, we are healed. It's not his will that anybody on the face of this earth live in a poverty-stricken situation because it says for our sakes, he became poor so that we might be made rich. Not saying everybody's going to be Elon Musk saying there is abundance in this earth for everyone. Okay, we know there are a whole bunch of things that we know those are God's will. Okay, great. But the issue is, and again, I think this is an American thing, there are beginning to be more and more little ideas uh, about the gospel where, where, where we look at the liberty, the great liberty, every place that you walk, everything you set your hand to do, right, is, is going to prosper. He's going he's to bless. I've already given to you. But verse 4 puts that in the context of within the will of God. God's will for Israel was this chunk for now. Okay? Is this making sense to you? Are you guys still with me? So, yeah, and here are just a few of them. I'll give them to you quick. There are boundaries for our life in experiencing the promises of God where sin is in regard to sin. All right, we are supposed to be growing. We can't just go do everything we want to do and live apart from God. It doesn't change the promise. It doesn't change what Christ put in our account. It changes how much of it we're going to be able to withdraw. It changes us. It changes our hearts. It hardens our hearts toward God to live in sin. Jesus paid for that sin. And it doesn't mean all of us sin from time to time, but we have the opportunity to repent, to just reappropriate that forgiveness, and just to live a life where we're growing in holiness. 
Uh, Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God, the grace, the unmerited favor of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. So there are some boundaries. We can't just live any way we want to and expect that we're going to receive everything that God wants us to receive. Does that make sense to you? Okay, there are boundaries in regard to focus and or distraction. Okay, you can't, we can't do everything that we might want to do, that we might like to do, that some of our friends do. We can't just stay distracted from the things of God all the time and expect to receive it, to walk in the fullness of what God has promised for us. It just doesn't work. We're just not capable of doing that. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. There's, There's a focus issue about our life. There's a boundary where it's like, you know what? I'd love to do that, but I can't. I'm, I'm this busy. I have this much time. And I really need that first chunk and the first, that doesn't just mean the first hour of the day. It can mean I need capacity to be able to hear from God. If I have my brain on everything else all the time, I'm just going to miss a lot. It's not God gets mad. It's not any of that. It's just I'm going to miss a lot. There are boundaries in regard uh, to focus. And then finally, I'll just leave it with this. There's boundaries in regard to calling. And by calling, I don't just, that's, that's true for all of us. We're all, it's not, that's not just a professional minister thing. We are all called. We are all gifted. We all have a place to minister in the world. We all have a sphere of influence. There is a direction. There are gifts God put in you. There, you are a unique creation and he sets you in place in certain areas. He brings people into your life so that you can influence them, maybe just for a time, maybe for a long time. But all of this goes on. There's this there's this calling on all of our lives. There is this direction and we need to accept the gifts that he has placed in us and the role that he has given to us and stay in our lane to some degree. I can't tell you how many people I've known that really got off track with God because they wanted to be something in the body that God didn't call them to be. They wanted to have a certain kind of gifts that God didn't give them. He gave them some other beautiful gifts. That the people that had that gift over there looked out and said, man, that guy's got great gifts that I don't have. She's just, she's amazing in this area. She wasn't satisfied with that. She wanted what they had. We need to stay in our lane. We need to let the the Spirit of God reveal to us where the anointing flows through us. And then we need to flow in it. We just need to flow in it. Stay in your lane. Be the person that God has called you to be. And in doing that, you'll live within those boundaries. And, and there's, there's tremendous liberty. There is tremendous freedom. I think the, I honestly think the call of God, the picture of God, his purpose for our life is bigger than any of us realize. And we're not going to realize, you know, we might feel like I never had any influence on anybody. And then we get to heaven, we're going to see, no, no. Where you let the Spirit of God move you, you impacted people that you don't even know. And it went on for generation after generation. I think we're all going to be kind of blown away at what went on on this earth when we get to heaven and watch the videos. I suppose it'll be streaming. Maybe it'll be beyond streaming. 
All right, did you get anything out of that? Let's stand up and pray. Let's just stand up and pray. Father, first of all, I want to pray, Lord, of people in this room, people out there on, on live stream, Lord, anybody who right now is in that place of going through or just gone through a major loss in their life, Lord, you know, you know how confusing and difficult that can be for us. And Father, we just want to lift those people up first and say, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the way that you are so gentle. Lord, we thank you and we pray for them that they'd be able to make, just make the decision in their own hearts, whether they feel it or not, that Lord, <clears throat> they're going to rise and there's going to come a day, Lord, where you're going to say, now arise and, and move forward. And, and Father, we thank you for making the way for all that. We thank you for the healing that you do. We thank you for the, the patience that you have with us and the way that your, your mercy and your grace just continues to work. We thank you for enabling words, Lord, uh, for people who are in those positions. Doesn't matter. I don't care if it was 10 years ago. I just thank you that you continue to build us and strengthen us, strengthen us, Lord. And so we lift those people up before you first and just pray your, your grace and your blessing over them. And then, Lord, for all of us, Father, we just ask you to help us to be focused on what you want us focused on in the midst of all this chaotic world, all the different voices, all the different things. You said, Jesus, that your sheep know your voice. And we trust that, that we will know and recognize the voice of our shepherd. Father, where we've gotten overly busy and distracted, show us how to carve things out. Show us what are we supposed to lay down? Lord, what are we supposed to lay down? What are we supposed to pick up? Because Father, we do want to be about the Father's business. Lord, it, it is what we want to do with our lives. And so Father, we just thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, uh, that as you speak to our hearts, as you bring the word alive to us, Lord, we choose. We will keep those words in the midst of our heart and in our mouths and we trust you, Holy Spirit, to walk through all of this with us. Walk it out day by day with us. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Yep. We said that. Yep. Oh, to God. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Happy Father's Day to all. If you are a father, if you have a father, you know, all of that. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world. We'll be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.